Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. We have begun a new calendar and another 25,000-year cycle as we journey into a new realm of reality through the windows in your mind. We now begin with the knowledge of humanity and its divine origins from intergalactic conversations from the past and present. Let us look through a window into the ever-evolving consciousness and explore new possibilities with our place in the cosmos and the quantum world. Grandmother Parisha of Cherokee Heritage reveals the wisdom of the ancient past that will lead us into a peaceful future. Experience the love and peace through the exceptional wisdom of Grandmother Parisha as she shares science and ancient knowledge merged together to benefit all of humanity. Well, it's that time again. This is Windows in Your Mind, and this is Parisha, your host. I am so very pleased to have your company today and have this journey that we go into the many realms of reality that each and every one of us participate in, whether we know it or not. Today, what we're going to talk about is some of the many things I've checked through the emails and and the fan page and everything, And, and a lot of people are asking about what to do with their dreams or where you know where to go with uh, different messages or different things that they feel shows up in their uh, dream state and they you know they can't get rid of it they kind of carry the feeling of it for a while so those of you who are listening with this part of the program it would be good if you had questions or you have particular sharings and stuff please send it to our uh, fan page it's right there on the front of uh, our LOA uh, I guess it's our ad or our sheet, whichever it's at. It's our, it's our, it's it's where you can reach us. Okay, and so right now, uh, we're going to discuss some of the things that other people have sent in because I feel that a lot of it is very much on key and and you know where the majority of us probably are at something like this. So, yes, can we tap into a power? that we don't normally operate on while we're in dreams. Yes, there are very, very many methods of working with lucid dreams, which means actually knowing that you're dreaming and kind of orchestrating it. Uh, many of the native perspectives on lucid dreaming is we, we do that like if a child should wake up and be very disturbed by something that went through their minds while they were in the subconscious state of sleep, then an elder or a parent will actually help them go back into a soft state of sleep and then relive the dream and write the ending to suit themselves. And that would be lucid dreaming, kind of going back in, keeping the setting, uh, keeping the characters in it, keeping as much of what the, the real materials were in the dream and just kind of juxtaposing yourself back in it and knowing that you're just awake enough to orchestrate how the particular activities go on in the dream and then to, like I said, write your own ending. And in our particular manner of handling that, indigenous people feel that dreams are given to us as omens and signs and this is the way Great Spirit talks to us. So in in showing us something that could possibly be interpreted as something wrong or something dangerous or even, you know, it being a sign of a warning or whatever. We believe that we can go back into that spirit state of dream speaker and actually help change the particulars of which we were given direction with. So if something bad was going to happen, we would be able to turn that around to where we could take the charge of whatever harm or whatever that would be off of it. So, yes, that's very much a practice of most indigenous people. And I have found it extremely, extremely effective. 
especially dealing with uh, my grandson and a few other children that had a lot of night terror dreams and recalling past life experiences or, or another life, however you want to see that, and actually seeing horrible things, wars and things like that going on, and not really waking him up, but just taking him in my arms and holding him, because he was quite a young fellow at this point, a year anywhere from eight months to two years old, and actually helping him see it in a different way and let it come in a different way and giving him a resolve so that it didn't affect and take him through the rest of his time. So yes, dreams are extremely important and how we handle them are extremely important if we want to have and use that energy as a directive that we can trust because it is something there and it is definitely something that we can do we can actually create what we want with it. So let's uh, start with some of that and see how much we can get through in this hour that we have, a little discussion on that. And we'll, I'll be sharing some of the things that people have sent me as far as their questions and so forth. Now, one of the particular notices that we got is a person who said that she, she was born to white families. Uh, meaning, you know, people of Caucasian, and that she has had many dreams of being a, a, a Afro-American person, uh, a brown-skinned person, and uh, an Asian person, and then a Native person. And she says that she's confused in the aspect of having such vivid dreams that actually leave her emotionally attached to them after she awakens and that they affect her day in as much as she can't seem to lose the feeling that she's still in the dream. And so we discussed some of the details of it. And see, I don't have any problem knowing that I, I totally accept parallel worlds and all of the other time loop situations that our sciences are now proving. So whether you want to see it as a past life or a parallel life or whatever, there is that connection, call it whatever. It is still an emotional experience in your time and space. So basically what we did is just took each one of those dreams and worked through them and the details of them. And I was very, very impressed to how authentic the details and the situations were that she was experiencing in these four dreams. And because I study many, many multicultural uh, lifestyles and beliefs and, and scriptures and, and faiths. Uh, she did not. She was simply, you know, very much a uh, businesswoman, had tremendous success in her businesses, uh, well-educated, but not in any esoteric sense connected to anything like what my life would be and how she actually come to me was through a friend that recommended her to speak to me about it. So anything I was going to talk about that has to do with what's pretty ordinary to you and I was totally new to her, absolutely. So I've, I found it very, I had approached it very easy and allow her to digest and learn much of what basically she could not touch before. And at some point she, I watched how the, inquisitiveness left her face and her features and she was right there with me so there this connection was made and then I began to take each dream and she kind of relived it there in front of me and then I got a feeling I was able to identify with where she was at and what was going on and in the discovery it had to do with the many successes that she was now experiencing in her life but had found them very shallow her goals had always been to be monetarily successful, and that she was. And then another goal was to actually be very accredited and uh, published, and that was also real. And then she realized that she would find herself sitting at different times in her day, wondering if this is all it is. If this, you know, is has she now reached a peak in this? Is, you know, what, what else is there? 
and she realized that there was a loneliness or an emptiness or almost maybe a hint of fear. And uh, she had been successful in two relationships, and in both relationships there was death, one an accident and one through illness. And so she was reluctant to get involved in another relationship. And that showed up in her four dreams, uh, her living her life, very much alone, but very much in service to a larger community, not just a family or not just a one relationship, but a much larger uh, number of people that made up her life. And when we got through discussing these dreams, she just, you know, looked at me for a minute. And she goes, you know, this is right on to something I've been entertaining. And I said, and that would be, she said, I've decided after visiting and having a tour of India, I'm going to go join an ashram. And I just looked at her for a minute and I said, and you, what do you know about an ashram? And then she explained that in her visit, uh, the guide had taken them into a place where there were these many students and learning meditation and working together, very much involved in growing their own food, you know, a community, an ashram. And she said, I have never forgotten it. I go back there a lot of times in my mind and think how wonderful that must be to be so connected to people who think the same and value the same. She said, "There, I felt no competition. I felt all people were complimenting to each other and assisting. And she said, I've never had that. And she said, I... I'm in a place now that money can't be a challenge and neither would time. And I'm just simply going to go join an ashram. And I told her, and what one of the four dreams did you have do you feel is actually helping you make that determination? And she said, all four of them. She said, as we've gone over the details, I realize in all four of these dreams, no, no matter that I have take made ethnic changes I'm different people in all those dreams she said each one comes to me becoming very devoted and being of service to a community a village you know a larger family of refugees and, and orphans you know and she said as well as to just belong to you know a nomadic group of people she said it was it was always reinforcing the benefits of choosing you know, your loved one, choosing your family, choosing the like-minded that you want to be with. And she said, you know, it's not by circumstance. It's really by how your heart feels. And she says, I want to go back. She said, and I don't know that I want to go into the congested areas of India. I'm going to look for something in the mountains. And then I said to her, I, listen, I didn't even get to say this. I immediately remembered a beautiful place in the mountains in Kashmir and I was just getting ready to say something to her and all I got out of my mouth was Ka and she said Kashmir you're right I want to be in the fresh air and in the mountains and I want to be able to see nature not just people but people in harmony with nature and I just looked at her and I grinned and I said did you hear me say Kashmir and she goes no but you were gonna say it and I told her, how do you know that? Have you ever heard of Kashmir? How, you know, was this where you traveled? And she said, no, but I knew you were going to say that, you know. She says, I'll look it up and I'll get back to you and we'll talk about it. Any guidance you have, I'd appreciate. And she did just that. She went on to be very much in yoga. She went on to be very much involved as a teacher of yoga. And uh, she actually began to work with a great deal of students and family-oriented relationships and she would spend some time in the U.S. and then she would go back into Kashmir and be in the ashram and so that determined her life and like I said in 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 the real world here she had accomplished tremendous you know efforts she had she had come to have all of the wealth that you could possibly ask for okay and she she you know, wasn't a person of flash wealth, meaning, you know, she wasn't trying to buy the most expensive car, live in the most expensive house. She lived very upper middle class, but not flash. Comfortable, 
you know, just... So anyway, it was really good to see that. That was just one of the many experiences I'd experienced with people using their dreams to find where they want to activate and, and live this life. And so uh, to actually turn to your dreams and definitely have a practice before you go to sleep, you know, initiating the fact that you want to remember your dreams. I taught dream workshops for many, many years sometimes back. And I would instruct all of the students to make sure before you go to bed that you prepare and cultivate your mind to have recall. So you put the pad and pen right there next to your bed or slip it right under your pillow so that you don't have to get up, wander around, and look for it. Because here's the thing. The more active you become after you awake, the less of the dream recall you'll have. And so then I taught them what I call the shorthand of dream recall and how not to try to write out so much in detail, but to actually capture impactful parts of the dream and make little notes and leave spaces in between these, what I consider the impact or the power words, so that once we've captured all of that, then we can go back in and fill it out, because at that point you, you have this memory link that'll help you do that. And for many you know, that were into technology, I told them, put a tape recorder there, you know, and talk into the tape recorder. Uh, you know, any way that you choose, make sure that you're you're letting your mind know that you want to do the dream recall. And I had learned at uh, an earlier time, working with the Edgar Casey people, that Edgar Casey had actually said that before you go to sleep for dream recall and dream stimulus to actually visualize a red ball at the back of your throat. And uh, for many, when I suggested that and said here's the source of it and definitely give it a try, people that did not have dream recall was starting to have dream recall. And they were very excited about what they were actually exploring in and through the dreams. Many of them finding that uh, the wakeful situations that they had that they were very intimidated by or uh, very concerned about, you know, wasn't dealing with it at all. That they began to find them coming up in dreams and having outcome that they didn't like or or actually they felt the outcome was, was tell, you know, showing that they were not handling it and that they, they needed to get in charge of it and so forth. And in each one of these cases, people's outcome was better when they began to use either lucid dreaming or listening to what was happening in the dream and then making sure that when they went back into that wakeful situation, they handled it different. And in each case, there was just positive and very healthy and good outcome. So there's no, you know, there's no question or doubt that the the dream work that we can do is very much part of the advancement that we can have in all walks of our life. And that, that is a given. Okay, so let's go on to discuss then some of the different things that we can do with dreams. People, other people who are having past life experiences. Yeah, you can have past life experiences. And those past life experiences can actually be of of great value to you in this world. And, you know, it's, it's a matter of how you apply them. What I don't suggest and get very nervous when people are dealing with past lives, how people begin to almost disconnect from the reality of this world, this life, and their situation in this life. And there, then there's denial and escapism involved in that. But if we understand that it can also help us understand some of the inquisitive things that we have about ourselves, why do I feel that? How come I react like that? Uh, you know, just, just real common, you know, what I consider intelligent stuff, you know, why do you particularly like something more than something else? And there's kind of a, a deeper drama or involvement in it, not just, you know, a like or a dislike, but an emotional kind of attachment to it. Then I find that when people go into past life regressions, there's tremendous outcome, you know. The, there's a circumstance or a story that happens in this effect that then helps them understand that there, there's this charge, you know, this emotional charge 
this energy that is involved with that. And then once they can work through that, and I kind of introduce people who are doing past life regressions that have some pretty horrendous outcome or recall on these particular areas of life. You know, we go back in and rewrite the story. And, you know, knowing now when you look into that and that that's energy and that energy could be reworked, replayed, how would you change it? What, what what does it give you and help you to know? And then people do that. And if it was a very a violent lifetime recall, you know, then they come to resolve their fears and their fears no longer have charge on it. So I've seen tremendous use of past life regressions and help seeing helping people actually change their psyche on certain things that are pretty overwhelming in this life for them. So, you know, when we go into the imaginal realm, remember it is a very uh, sound and real realm of our psychological processes. So if we are experiencing it with emotion, if we are living it with actually an attachment and a, a, a thinking and a, a continuance with it, I mean, you know, what we've learned is when, you know, what we believe and what we see and how we think about things, that's how we live. So when people have these particular uh, effects from something that they believe was karmically a last life or a past life a long time ago or however they relate, the, the very sciences we have say that that's all in your cellular memory and whether it comes to be your life or a life experience from the genetics of what you're carrying, whatever that is, you know, how we have so many different reflections and stories on it. I just tell people, you know, go with it the way, however you can and in whatever way you want to. You know, people sometimes will come to me and say, do you believe in past lives? Do you do this, that? And I say, okay, what does my belief have to do with what you need to know? You know, uh, you need my approval? I don't think so, you know. But let's talk about this, you know. That obviously, you have something that's going on, and you believe it's attached to a past life. So let's get to that, and let's handle that, and let's, let's make whatever impact or involvement with it that we have to do in order for you to actually have peace and find the tranquility that you're seeking. So, you know, I tell people since the dawn of time people have you know worked with dreams and in indigenous people we have what we call dream speaker and dream weavers that actually talk and help people go through the very reality of dreams uh, I have some Buddhist friends that say the Dalai Lama and Buddhism does not believe in getting emotionally involved with their dreams well I don't know that I have not experienced that personally and I do know that Christians and other religions are very opposed to people working with dreams and feel there's a caution there that needs to be paid attention to. Well, there is definitely a reaching in and touching the inner space of where mind is and where spirit's at. So we need then to pay attention to what, do, what are we trying to do with that? Is it that we're looking into telling us something about our future or our past or maybe something we have an impending sense of danger about, you know, um, a circumstance that keeps showing up no matter what you do to change it, you know, how come it's so bedded into uh, your occurrences and so forth. So, you know, there's any number of reasons that we get into this. I believe that it's also a springboard for healing and we can, we can do astral travel through the dream state. And then we can come into situations that are too painful to do on a physical level that has emotional, really emotional trauma too, that we can heal in the dream state. And so everything that I've ever had any impact or working with has been absolutely very rendering very, very deep successes. And so I recommend it to people. I actually tell people, you know, keep, keep a dream log and learn, you know, people come to me with a number of books, would you suggest this book or that book? I, you know, and I tell them, you know what, if it came into your day and somebody recommended it to you, obviously, obviously it's on your time track. I would not ignore it. I would definitely read it. So it helps people to 
actually understand what it is with them and how, if anything, it could work to maybe help them move forward at a more rapid pace in their life. When we're doing dreams, you know, where where are we as far as science is concerned when we're in the dreams? Well, we are in the, the base of our brain that actually has stored tremendous amounts of memory. And when we begin to move energy from the cerebellum to the frontal lobe, you could come up with just about anything. You know, and when we come back to accepting that we come from divine origins, that you are definitely a seed from the universe and that you're not just a body. You know, all those little things that we talk about in our world, okay? Well, in order for you to really know what you're talking about with that, you're going to be looking at the fact that uh, what you may see in your everyday, day-to-day, nine-to-five on the clock, and every bit of what you're walking, as far as what you call your reality and beliefs, that quite often there's something that steps out from that and impacts you in a way, one way or another. Whether it's dreams or meditation or any of the particulars, mindful states that you play with when you're working with your you know your own psyche well i believe that those are so real that that's the only real i deal with constant science that proves all of the mysteries of what my people the cherokee had taught me in my younger uh, childhood and i realized that many people thought it was superstitions and weird stuff and everything and only found that the more sciences that i researched and pursued showed the reality of these particular not so publicly taught realized wisdoms so then you know when you come to exploring you and remember that fingerprint proves that you're one of a kind nobody else has that fingerprint and and you really need to start there and start pondering that you know so many people consider, you know, con- considering something like that as egotistical or becomes very much involved in a selfish perspective of whatever, whatever. Okay, forget about that. Get on to exploring that. Okay, what, let's just say, what if, if it's uncomfortable to say it is, then what if that is significantly telling you that you cannot be role modeling yourself as somebody else, you know, that you have to cut your own path and that you have to have a passion that is relentless and pursues, you know, that you pursue everything that you're given and whatever shows up as far as those beliefs or those needs. And, and you know, I I'm love it when I'm talking to children because when I talk to children about being of divine origins, they're willing to accept that to you know speak to them of being children of God they're okay with that now some of them when I get up into the seven the eight the nine the ten year olds they're influenced by their parents more by at this time and whatever the household particular reaction is to that so sometimes you know they'll say to me okay but you know that's blasphemous and I'll ask them do you know what blasphemous means and then they say no but they know it's bad you know that mom and dad think that that's a bad thing you know and so then I have to get a little more cautious not trying to create any kind of slam for the family to have to go through I back off and kind of come around in another way in order to not make it so threatening or maybe totally adverse to what the family's practices are but children are very willing to be children of God and they're very accepting that that they are forgiven and that they're allowed to make mistakes and change and learn and then we come to the adult and then we're hardwired and we're so much in those patterns of judgment and behavior and rights and wrongs and blacks and whites and everything else that we have just become jaded you know so when we get into dream we've been in dream speaker and past lives and all of these other tools that we can use to break through those walls, those very rigid walls of creating ourselves a box that we lock ourselves in. And at this point in our lives, you know, you this is a question you have to answer. Are you happy? You know? Are you feeling that you you're you're onto something, you know? That you finally have found uh, 
a particular whatever's that gives you some sense of peace or an, uh, or something you can identify with in, in in your whole being you truly know that this is right and so you you don't you don't get there by sitting still you don't get there by locking yourself into some rigid narrow perspective you have to study you have to mingle you know one of the things that i share with everybody why don't you go to workshops you know people will read books and they'll listen to tapes and it's like okay that's all fantastic but go to workshops get involved with group activity and dynamics meet people that you would not ordinarily know if you didn't go to something different you know and and then i speak to people who when they go to these different events and occasions they go with a friend and then they get real clicky and all they do is go around with this friend and it's like no life is too big for that if you're going to take your friend make sure you meet two different people each one of you brings somebody over to the other to introduce but the whole thing is to explore and and make your reach in life so much bigger and it's in events like-minded events subject sensitive events that you know is on target with what you want to talk about more of what you want to be a part of and and i i don't know how we come to this place in ourselves that we feel we need to be private about it you know and we need to just listen to the tapes and uh i you know i see people when people are signing up for stuff they they'll only let something go to a p.o box they don't want it to come to their address and you know after seeing that for a while i had asked a couple of what's wrong with it coming to your house oh i don't want my mailman to know this i don't want anybody at you know should pick up my mail and see that i'm into all of this especially and i found that very much so with some recent ufo people that i met in different programs and stuff and it's like okay so i i you know what's wrong with being inquisitive and they say well i just don't want people to think that i'm that weird or whatever and you know we have to hear ourselves when we're saying that what well, you know that's a self judgment there you know you're already making something wrong with your inquisitiveness now whether you have accepted it you believe or you're devout with it that's still your choice but when we go into it if we're ashamed and if we're intimidated and we're withholding you know even more so then get out get into groups and events go to things that are happening meet people you have not known before and expand yourself out and give yourself some sense of being liberated and and listening like those of you who listen to this wonderful you know RLOA radio network and stuff i mean i i love it cuz Jules makes sure that she keeps a number of a very high interest in topics available for people to explore in that and and definitely recommend this please to other people you know what i mean but at the same time Yes, we encourage you to listen to our programs and participate in the live shows and everything else, but there's others too. You know, expand everything that you are seeking will come in some way, but you the action has to be you reaching for it. And then when you have come to a place to where you're perfectly in harmony with and relaxed about being who you are. I was talking to a woman who is very politically oriented. very wealthy very high profile woman can't give you her name wouldn't wouldn't do that anyway but uh when we were talking for a while and we had just met someone introduced us in that and then she asked me to explain a little bit of my background you know she gave me all of her credibility and she asked for me to share mine so when i told her i'm an elder you know i'm I definitely am a spiritual archaeologist. I dig into all kinds of ancient wisdom and, and mysteries and so forth and everything. Her eyes lit up. She she was very dry and professional before that and then as I'm talking her eyes all light up. And she goes, "Really?" you know, and then, "Well, can you answer a couple of questions?" And then she started firing off all of these mystery questions and stuff and then after we got to talking about more I said to her and and where about do you study that you have this kind of you know inquiry 
and she told me she's watched this, she's, you know, she's seen this. She goes on the Discovery Station, and she gets to see this or that, and she's so intrigued with it and everything. And then I said to her, and why do you not pursue some hands-on or some personal involvement with that? And she said that she felt that it would politically be a hindrance or whatever, you know. And I told her, do you hear what you're saying? What is it that, as a political person, you need to be more than anything else? Wouldn't that just let let your public know who you are and what's important to you? When can we actually expect that those who represent us actually represent us from where they are and who they are, not what they try to pretend to be in order to have us think that they're going to serve us in whatever way we need? And I didn't see her anymore, and then the, the election went through and everything, and she got the office that she was running for and everything. And uh, then there was the social political fundraiser and stuff, and I saw her there, and, we, and she immediately walked halfway across the room and said to me, I took your advice. And I'm thinking to myself, what advice was that? You know, I know we had this conversation, but I didn't remember anything on the level of advice, you know. And she said, I began to talk to people about some of my inquiries and interest. And she said, the more I did it, the, the warmer I felt, the more real and in touch with why I was going for the role that I was seeking. And she said, I began to have an impact almost like within 72 hours that I didn't have before. She said, I could tell that, you know, when I was talking to people that they were simply being polite and listening, but they couldn't wait till I was finished. And she says, and when I finally began to talk from who I am, real who I am, you know, people were holding on to me, and when the, my talking time is over, they were still trying to get some more time. And she said, it was just this overwhelming change. And she said, I feel so clear in myself as to who I am and what I can do. She said, it like gave me a power I didn't have before. And I just smiled at her, and I says, well... I, I appreciate that you're giving me credit for giving you such advice, but I think that you've come to that conclusion, you know, purely from my questions, because I wasn't advising you. I simply had questions that uh, I wanted you to have clarity about, and I told her, I, I totally identify with what you're saying, and I think that we're coming to a place in our world that the public as well as, and I'm public and whoever you would be talking to, we want to just really know, and we're aware that there are things we don't know, and we're aware of things that have been withheld, and and that, you know, a lot of the things that we consider as conspiracies really have some information in them that we're not really getting from those who really could help answer those questions. And she told me, you're right, and I plan on making even more progress with all of that. And I know today she has moved even to a, a more elite position, political position. So you and I have to ask ourselves, you know, when we come to wanting to actually accept that through dreams we could clear up things that we don't really feel confrontive with or in touch with in our daytime. Um, another story that I can tell you is a young man who had come to me and he had... Uh, Got, he had graduated like probably a, nearly two years from a business school and was in management and everything, doing a lot of really progressive uh, management work and stuff. And the company is working with was doing, you know, moderately good, not, not anything outstanding, but moderately good. And he was getting credit for that and was with that. And he said to me that uh, he realized... We got to talking. I happened to be there on some business coaching. And when we got to talking and I said to him, you know, I, I look at you and I almost feel you're restricted. I said the word that comes to me is restricted. And does that mean anything to you? And like he said, yes, it does. He said, I restrict myself. And I said, can you help me understand that more? And then he began to tell me how he has role modeled himself from a particular uh, dynamic person in business that uh, the owner of this business has spoke very highly of and that he feels that 
if he should actually let his own uh, dynamics come forward that he may lose interest, the company's interest, and he feels that they will be good credibility for him if he could at least stay employed here for about five years and determine where then he would like to move on to. And I just looked at him and I said, and what guarantee are you resting on all of that? And he looked at me and he said, what? And I said, for you to live in fear that you have to be somebody you really aren't, you're going to attract the problem. And he said, I already am. He said, I, I have to get up sometimes at night. He said, I go and have a glass of water, he said, or a, you know, a glass of milk or something. He says, because I'm, I wake up terrorized and wringing wet with sweat and everything that, you know, something is happening at work and, you know, all, all these kind of things show up. Or He said, and, and I have multiple dreams to where, uh, and he said, and they're, they're like, not just dreams, they're thoughts that I have during the daytime that, uh, you know, I make little notes when I'm doing my own kind of thing, I make notes. And he said, oh, somebody working with me, I happened to have forgotten my pad and left it in a, a person who worked with me, found that pad and was sharing things that was on that pad. They were trying to identify whose pad that was. And he says, thank goodness, I print a lot, so nobody was recognizing the writing. And he said, I absolutely denied that was mine. And he said, I moved away from that and, you know, watched to see how it was going to finally it got tossed in a basket. You know, and he said, after work, I found reason to stay after work and actually rescue it from the basket. He says, but I live in terror over that. And I told him, well, I would think so, you know. Why do you feel that, you know, even if, if it's this is not the place you're to start this fantastic career, why would you have to go through such torture? You know, I mean, is there some need for happiness and the feeling of progression and growth and evolving involved here? And then we talked about that for quite a while, and he shared these dreams. And I told him, okay, if you really truly have convinced yourself and you have a belief that if you really come front, you know, and be out front about who you are and how you see, you know, these different things in management that you feel could be done differently than whatever this other person is, okay, let's just take it through where you've told me you've had dreams and those dream sequences. Let's go back to one of them and you're saying that there's one that's kind of real scary that's reoccurring and he said yes and I said let's talk about that one give me some details so we, we went through that he gave me the details and I told him next time you have that dream and you wake up in the middle of the night don't get up and go in the kitchen and get water milk or anything just lay there breathe very deeply stay in that semi-conscious sleep state and rewrite that dream and he goes what and I said it's called lucid dreaming Go back through that dream, stay in that dream state, and let it come out with the story and the ending that you really want to have it to be. And he says, like, what is that going to do? I says, watch, let's see if it don't change your circumstances. Really? And then so he said, well, I've got nothing to lose. So he had actually signed up for some further coaching training, and I got to see him in about eight or nine days later. And he told me, you come with a great big grin on his face and everything. And he said, you know, I took your advice. He said, don't you know, within two days after I was talking to you, that whole situation come back up. He said, I woke up, my, you know, pajama top was soaking wet. I actually thought maybe I should get up and change. And he said, I remembered you said lay there and then just stay with that feeling and stay in that half-asleep state. He said... And I started rewriting and rechanging the whole unfolding of what happened in that dream. And he said, after I was finished, I realized that I felt safe. He said, I don't know safe from what, but I felt safe. And then he said, I went back to sleep. He says, when I woke up, I did feel better. I did feel better. I felt more optimistic. He said, and on that day, while I was in my job and in my position, he said, I was actually in a meeting, and somebody straight up asked me, you know, can you give us your real opinion on this? What do you, in your heart, what do you feel about this? And he said, I realized that that's how I changed the dream, that I was in a meeting, and I simply said to the owner, 
I would really like to just express something straight from my heart. I believe it will be more helpful here. He said, so I did that. We shared. He said it wasn't, you know, I'd have liked it to have been a rave success and a rave review. He says, but it was like accepted with some curiosity. And he said, and I realized that curiosity come from it was seemed to be so out of character for me. He said, so I wrote it up, you know, and I kind of stayed with it and continued to like talk through it. And he said, I had this notion that this was just going to be a, a better way to go about some visibility that we needed. And he said, sure enough, by the time the, the week ended, we had all, we put it in place and we got very high ratings and we went to a much better place. And he said, so I've continued now, you know, like the last two meetings to actually ask myself, what what would I really like to say if I wasn't trying to say it as such and such says it? And he said, and it's coming out very good. Those are the kind of successes I'm telling you we can have by actually allowing ourselves to participate that everything about us has effect. Everything that we are matters. You know, when we begin to think of ourselves as uh, in divine origin, that we begin to be intelligent enough to say, how could you be here if not created? How, how could you be who you are if there wasn't an intelligence that had seen that into its beginnings? How is it that you exist if all it's about is whatever you're about? Okay, and then just start playing with that, you know, and, and nurturing how wonderful it is to know that this attachment, this observer, or this soul, or this angel, who, however it is that you need to work with it, is actually in partnership and communion with you in this life, that you're not the body. The body will have its process. It is the eternal part of yourself that is the child of God. And it looks through this body, and this body is its mobility, and this body collects its experiences. And you need to begin to allow yourself to feel that love and presence. There's this abiding presence that's always with us, always trying to reach us, always reaching out to us, always interacting with us. And by whatever worldly impact you've had, whatever, you know, authority that you have let take it from you, it's like sometimes when I'm working with wonderful, wonderful people and I see how hard it is for them to accept that they're a child of God or that they are of divine origins or that they're special, that the specialness says, you have that fingerprint. Nobody else has that fingerprint. How, how special do you want to be? And I see how all of those programs and those beliefs get in the way of that. And I'm usually a very upbeat and happy person. I mean, in, in, even in challenges, I believe I'm being taught, so I don't, I don't believe there's punishment going on or anything else. I'm being shown something I need to know. So when I look at them and I realize the box that they've put themselves in, that they are not in touch with that loving presence, it's right there, always with us, always. We are never alone or without it. I just wonder who it was in their life that took that away, that actually, you know, blocked that or resolved that, that they can't feel that or experience that now. And that's my goal in working with anybody, is whether it be talking about dreams or past lives or some of the esoteric studies or just even business. You know, we we're, we're all have the birthright to be successful and to experience abundance and prosperity. These are not good guys, bad guys things. Prosperity is a principle. Abundance is a reality. So why do we have the have-nots and we have the haves, you know? And it, it, we go back to looking at how, how was the programming and how was people influenced and what did people believe? And why is it so hard to believe in the intelligence that keeps it all moving. The sun don't bump into the moon. The earth does its cyclic movement in complete cooperation and complement with the other planets of our solar system. You know, every, everything is moving in its, in its coherence. 
and where are we? Where are you? Do you feel that love? Are you aware that it's always there? That no matter what the circumstances are, it is present. And maybe in a time of grief or a time of great sorrow or everything, it may be a testing time to where you wonder where it's at or how come you're not more aware and touch with it. Even in those times, it's still up to us to hold on to that. I've had times in my life to where there were some really extenuating circumstances and some really not easy things to get past and live with. And in those times, I would always come back and, t and make sure that I'm talking to myself and saying, but the Creator's always present. You're not alone. Whatever this is and whatever you may be bewildered by or whatever the sorrow is that you feel, Feel it deeply and give it over and accept the loving presence that's right here with you. And maybe even in this time, accepting that it's carrying you, that you're going to make it through. And I talk to myself like that. And recently someone brought up and actually asked me to edit a, an article they were writing about prayer. And they were giving all these definitions to prayer. And I said, I don't know that I pray. If you're saying... Prayer is just a simple recital of a, a written something I'm supposed to know and say. I don't. I don't pray that way. I do tell you. I do. You know, affirm various uh, written things that I have come to find very satisfying. But I realize at that point that I'm just reciting something. I'm not praying. You know, I mean, my heart-to-heart -heart talks. Uh, is, is as close to I understand prayer as possible. It's a communicating and knowing that what you're communicating with is very present, is very real, is very powerful, and that your whole existence exists because of it being there and you a part of that. And, and so when we're in these places to where, you know, where we're not maybe handling the challenge or or the whatever's going on in our life. Yes, we're going to have dreams. Yes, we're going to have recall. You know, yes, circumstances and little things will start showing up in your day. You know, uh, I laugh because just over the last three days, I met this wonderful young man seeking, full of concerns as a veteran, had a lot, you know, has had to heal a lot physically as well as psychologically. And, I immediately started suggesting some books and everything, and uh, so he was sharing this morning with me. He went to the bookstore, and when he, you know, was looking through the bookstore, he couldn't find the section. I told him more than likely he would find the book, and he couldn't find. It. And then he got somebody to help him, and when they come to help him, they told him they don't have that book. They went to the cash register or their computer looked through all their files and they said no we sold our last one so we don't have that book in stock and he said that he remembered what he he said I immediately recalled you and the love I felt from you and I realized that he said I talked to that presence that you explained to me is here with me and he said I kind of said that okay so where do I go now and where do I find this book? Because I am going to read this book. And he said, so I just went back and, and he said, and I said to this presence, if there's, a if there's a book that's close to the one she suggested, you know, I, I, I would appreciate any kind of guidance. And he said, I went back over to this bookshelf. And he said, at this time, some lady come through there with her baby in a buggy and rammed into the shelf. And he said, you're not going to believe what hit me in the head. And I said, no. And he said, yes, it was that book. He said it was up on the top shelf. It wasn't even like lined up like the rest of the book. Somebody had taken it and moved it, maybe cleaning or whatever. He says, but it was that title. Because what he was doing, he was checking with me and saying, you know, I got this book. Now, this is for sure the one. It's this, 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 this. Yeah, that's one. You know, and like he said, you won't believe this. So then he began and he told me the story. And, and, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, I laughed and said, of course. You know, I believe in that. I know the God that I believe in is capable of miraculous and, you know, outrageous wonderment that anything can be. And when we're in this place of, of minimizing ourselves, 
thinking less of ourselves, making less of ourselves. Oh, beloveds, we have to come further than that. Every world that we have evolved through has brought us to now exploring the frontier of consciousness. Our brain has actually grown to a level of evolution to provide more consciousness. So when do we begin to actually let it happen? And you cannot do that without being an explorer. To explore, to reach, to seek. Not to hide and deny or be afraid that somebody else, God only knows the who they might be, would think that that's awful that you are curious about that or you're looking into this or that. When do we have the courage to stand forth and be? And be and allow ourselves to dream and wonder what's all of that about you know i know i've had dreams that are extremely real in as much as i feel them when i wake up and it's like you know there there'll be things that are there to tell me you know though that be in a dream state and of another parallel world or whatever there's some evidence that it is effective here because here's this i had uh, some years back i had a reoccurring dream about a, a beautiful and dear friend of mine. And she had a, a certain color. She liked orange, always stood out to her. Beautiful oranges, like tangerine orange and stuff. And so I had began to, we had lost touch for a good maybe year or so. She was traveling. I was doing a bunch of stuff, but we had not been in touch. And, and she kept, she come to me again in a dream. And when she come to me in a dream, she she was looking for me to reach out to her. She needed me. And she said that in the dream, you know, I, I need to talk to you. I can't find your number. I need to talk to you. And she said that in the dream, okay? So when I got up in the morning, I was doing my stuff and, and getting myself ready and everything. Everything orange that I had come across my mind. I mean, in my closet, everything that was orange stood out to me. You know, there was like a scarf that I had uh, I hadn't been wearing it for days, if not weeks. All of a sudden, it become pronounced to me, everything orange. And so I just picked up the orange scarf and I talked to it. Okay, bear with me here. I just took the orange and looked at it. And in that color, I drew everything I could possibly remember about her. The cologne that I know she wore, the way she looked when she moved and she talked and expressed herself. I pulled as much reality of her to me as I could. And in that, I told her how much I care for her and that I know that something's going on, but that I'm here. And I said to her, You're, you know, I in a dream you told me that you can't find my phone number, and yes, I have changed my number. And I recited my phone number into that orange scarf. And I just kept repeating it, repeating it, and holding that image of her. About uh, sometime after late afternoon, okay, my phone rings, and it's her. And she said to me, the strangest thing happened. You know, she said, I got a new phone. I couldn't remember your number, and I've been trying to get in touch with you. I was looking at different ways to try and find out how to get, you know, how to get your number. And she said, then I run into an old mutual friend. I was shopping and grabbing some things at the last minute, and I ran into this person, and I said to them, you don't happen to have Parrish's number, do you? And they said, absolutely, but no, she's, she's changed her number. And so she got the number, we made the contact, and of course there were some things that we had to get together about and so forth and on. But see, I accept those windows in, in the mind. I accept that. I accept that, that this wonderful life that we have, this preciousness that we are, that there's always these things happening. I don't know that I buy into the fact that they're miracles. I just think they're a natural part of what we are as life and what we are as a being and, and how much we're loved, how much a part of all of that we are. Again, our time is coming to closure. And I again want to remind you, you're listening to Windows in Your Mind. And I'm Parisha, and it has been delightful having this time with you. I hope some good and use of it has come so that you can step out and be happier and much, much, much more 
of whatever it is you want it to be. So you have a wonderful week and all good things, and I'll catch you on the next time around. This is Windows in Your Mind. Thank you for listening to Grandmother Parisha on your journey to the windows in your mind. For further information or to contact Grandmother, please visit parishas-world.com. P-A-R-I-S-H-A-S-world.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.